Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about Venus's movement through the second decan of Aquarius. So this is 10 to 20 degrees of Aquarius, and we're going to see this happening from February the 9th at 8.38 a.m. to February the 17th at 8.18 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Today we're going to talk about uh, a couple aspects. Venus is going to be making a conjunction with Jupiter on the 11th of February, uh, the same day that we're experiencing our Aquarius new moon. Uh, Venus will also then conjoin Mercury retrograde on February the 13th, so we will break that down. And then we have one fixed star placement uh, with Venus, where Venus is going to be making a conjoining, um, a conjoinment with 17 degrees of Aquarius, which is uh, where the fixed star Suolosin is placed. And this is a fixed star in the constellation uh, Delphinius, the dolphin associated with playfulness. So we'll talk about that and Venus's pending square to Mars um, at the end of this cycle. So those are kind of the overviews for what we're going to be experiencing. Let's check out our chart together. Hope that you're doing well out there in virtual land or in real life, whichever place that you are. It all feels like virtual land at this point, doesn't it? Um, but we're hanging in there. We're hanging in there. Hopefully you are hanging in there uh, and getting through the, the doldrums of winter and uh, realizing that spring is on its way. It's uh, just around the corner. So we'll, we'll see what it has in store for us. So let's talk about Venus. So Venus is a planet that is a harmonizer. Um, I've been you know, looking at some cool books about this, one of which was, I don't think I have it in here with me, um, but it is Charles Obert. I believe that's his last name, Charles Obert. Um, and his uh, book on the seven traditional planets, he compiles a lot of different source texts in that book and um, gives some of his commentary. And I was going through that with Venus today. And uh, he talks about Venus being a planet that sort of like a lens diffuses light. Think of like a soft focus or like a, a rose lens that you put on a camera to make things just a little bit more beautiful, a little bit richer, to add some kind of softness and grace and beauty and color to, to the scene. Um, so it softens all these hard edges. Um, it, it makes things balanced and more temperate, beautifies. In this case, we're harmonizing and beautifying things that are represented by Saturn, since Venus is moving through the domicile, the diurnal temple of Saturn. So this could be where we are, you know, casting our, our diffuse lens, our soft focus on things like um, the laws that bring us together, uh, the things that are rebalancing social expectations and social relationships, possibly through contraction, possibly through the establishment of new limits, new laws, new types of exchanges. This was the face of Mercury. So there is a mercurial flavor to this part of Saturn's house. And in this uh, relationship to the tarot, we see the six of swords. 
So in this card, we see somebody being ferried across a river. Uh, there is associations with this card with the transition between life and death, um, between um, the world of the of form and the afterlife, the underworld, the river Styx, um, paying the ferryman to, to get across. So we're, we're going in between uh, realms in this Deccan. We are moving through, um, oh, I don't know, through the ideal and the practical. Uh, we are moving in between uh, heaven and earth, which is what Austin Coppock calls this Deccan. Um, Book T calls it earned success and Book of Toth calls it science. So it could be an exchange between uh, the ideal realm and how do we ground it onto the earth. Uh, one of my favorite animals that I uh, come across quite often here in M Michigan is the nuthatch, which is a small woodpecker-like bird that climbs down trees. And that bird has some significations with bringing wisdom down to the earth and being able to move between the realm of the sky and the realm of the earth. So uh, this could be a time period where we are able to bring some of these practical, idealistic visions into our uh, cultural exchanges, into, our, into manifestation. That's another thing that we could think about with this. Um, so thoughtful exchanges, harmonious commerce. I'm looking at some of my notes here. Blending the old and the new. That's another transition, the past and the future. Uh, facilitating a safe passage or journey away from the known. One of our main themes with Aquarius is, is leaving something behind. Uh, in our story, we've seen that in the Five of Swords, we've experienced potentially a defeat where we are going off into exile maybe even intentional exile because we're leaving the herd behind. We're leaving behind the um, whatever the accepted uh, ethos of the time is and trying to move into something new. And in this decan, this is the process of leaving it all behind. In the third decan, we, we see, uh, you know, a the final, um, oh, I don't know, not the final countdown, Doo -doo -doo -doo. <laughs> the, fi the final journey, the final leaving, you know, the uh, the untying of the karmic knot. But in this Deccan, we have like an exchange between the old and the new, the past and the present and the future. Okay, so what are we looking at with the condition of Venus in this area? Well, Venus does have some dignity in the first few degrees of this Deccan, she will be on her own terms from 7 to 13 degrees of Aquarius. And then she will move in the term into the terms of Jupiter, another benefic planet, from 13 to 20 degrees. So we have benefic bound lords. So this is a positive condition for a planet when it has uh, lenient teachers or curriculum setters. Again, the face rulers for uh, Aquarius 2 are, it's a double uh, Mercury decan where we have Mercury as the Chaldean ruler, the descending Chaldean order ruler, and the triplicity ruler. So this is very much a, 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 an exchange type of energy. Okay? Mercury likes to move between worlds. Tarot card is the six of swords, as we've said. Uh, the daimon associated with this Deccan is Phobos. And Phobos is a son of Ares, or son of Mars. Uh, it was something where if you were going into battle, you were trying to arouse fear in your enemy to make them run away. 
Um, but if Venus is here, we may be pacifying some of that fear. We may be uh, releasing some of our natural inclination to run away from a situation out of fear. And that may help us to relax a little bit. So thinking about that as one of the diamonds here, maybe we can uh, either use that energy to create some harmony where we want to run away from something and leave something behind, or we could relax that impulse within us so that we're not making decisions based on fear and maybe making decisions more on love and optimism and hope. Okay, so we've got Phobos there. Let's see what else we have. When we're talking about Venus, uh, one of the things that came up in my studies this week was I've uh, been reading lots of Liz Green. And, and if you're not familiar with Liz Green, wonderful, wonderful uh, mythological and psychological astrologer. And because she leans very heavily on myth uh, and archetype, in books that she wrote roughly 30 years ago, she anticipates a lot of the discoveries that have been made, I would say, in the last 20 years through things like Project Hindsight and translations of old texts and rediscovery of old uh, systems of knowledge. It's really interesting to see that play out. I'm reading the book Astrology of Fate by Liz Green right now, and she talks a lot about Venus. And in one of her sections on Venus and Pluto, she talks about Venus relating to uh, Venus and Mars. So she's talking about Venus and Mars in this particular chapter, uh, relating to the body and relating to uh, the world of form, um, the sort of like how the moon brings things into, into form and, and helps them pass out of being and relating to the body. So, so this is uh, really anticipating the concept of sect, uh, the, the kind of doctrine where planets are more on a political party of either the sun and the moon. The sun being related to spirit uh, and the moon being related to fortune. The sun being a little bit more related to the eternal and the unchanging, the divine, uh, and the moon being related to the forms that are constantly changing. So change. So we have to relate Venus to that lunar sect. It's a lunar planet. It's the, the feminine, uh, you know, I don't know how you could say it, the receptive quality of the lunar sect where we are trying to, we desire things, but we're desiring, desiring to receive good fortune, okay? We have all these desires for like good stuff that we want to put into our body, uh, good things that uh, please us through how beautiful they are, good music, good food, um, you know, physical affection, those are all Venusian types of things, and they relate back to the moon, aka the body. So this is something I wanted to point out, because when we have Venus moving through a Saturn ruled sign, Saturn is related to the solar sect, okay? So this is a, a planet that is more related to spirit, uh, but restoring right proportion. So this is something that I think that Saturn and Venus have in, in common, I think they're both concerned with balance. I think they're both concerned with um, restoring something to harmony. Remember, Saturn is exalted in a Venusian sign, in the sign of Libra. So, you know, Saturn has that quality of nemesis, restoring right proportion. So this seems to be like a, 
somewhat of an interesting combination with the sun moving through a Saturnian sign because we are restoring right proportion and bringing balance to uh, a more collective experience of, of our ideals, of the way that we arrange society, of law, of um, new types of systems that we want to arrange our shared cultural values through. And that may come through some necessary contractions, maybe some necessary punishments. Um, I think we have to think about punishment in a slightly different way. Uh, it's not always negative. I think that sometimes when we have uh, an excess, we need to contract it to, to restore that harmony and to restore balance. So thinking about it in that way can, can be uh, a really liberating way of experiencing Venus in this sign. Um, so thinking about it like this, you could say we're creating good fortune potentially through bad spirit, quote unquote, but we can also think about that just as the contractions or the difficulties that we may experience. Cause as human beings, we probably prefer growth over death and contraction. Uh, and it may feel like painful and like a punishment to, to, have an experience of loneliness, abandonment, all of those things, because we're social creatures. We want unity and connection. Um, but we may be able to create good fortune through, uh, through that kind of uh, separation, through that contraction, through that rebalancing, through that maturation, and through, through discipline, really, uh, through uh, limiting, creating limits to our desires. I think this is interesting, too, is when we are able to limit uh, our attachments, okay, to the body, to, uh, you know, rich foods through anything that could, if we, if we use to excess could become an addiction. When we limit those things, we can create harmony and balance. You know, there's, there is such a thing as too much of a good thing and that can create corruption eventually. So when we are thinking about Venus in a Saturn world sign, you could say, what, what is enough? How do I create limits even to my desires? How do I create limits to my idealism? Uh, so that's, that's one thing to, to meditate on as Venus moves through Aquarius too. Okay, so here's some notes I had written down with this specific Deccan. Uh, exotic charm. Uh, you know, attraction to things outside the norm, appreciation of freedom, intellectual exchanges. This brings us back to the Mercury uh, function of this particular face. Desire to harmonize uh, multiple factions of a society, uh, attraction to all slices of humanity and of deities, right? And of, you know, the divine. So we, this may be a Venus, you know, between 10 and 20 degrees of Aquarius where you're more attracted to uh, humanity itself rather than, than an individual, where you are attracted to an idea, but not necessarily the physical manifestation of it. Um, you know, there's probably a lot of bridge builders uh, that have this as a natal placement, people who are able to, to see how all the pieces fit together. They're able to hover above their life. And in, instead of getting focused on a, a very narrow piece of something, they're seeing how to create connections between all of these disparate elements, um, sort of like a spider weaving an intricate web uh, and being able to create harmony or like a, a jigsaw puzzle master who sees all these different pieces, but is able to connect them into some beautiful, coherent picture. Okay. 
that's a good image for this, uh, creating, doing a jigsaw puzzle. I bet there's people right now in the middle of winter who are doing uh, some beautiful puzzles right now. That, that might be a, a, a pleasurable experience, I think, with Venus in this, in this stacking. Okay, so let's move forward to uh, some of the aspects. Before I do that, Venus is co-present. We can see here Venus is co-present with a number of planets. We have a real, a, a giant stack up in Aquarius right now with Saturn, Venus, Jupiter, Mercury retrograde, the sun, and eventually the moon at the new moon on the 11th will be all hanging out in Aquarius. So a huge uh, gathering of deities, of celestial gods in the same temple. This is quite an amazing time that we're living through because all of these planets have a similar... Um, oh, I don't know, impetus for doing what they're doing. We, we are trying to balance out a number of different ways of achieving a similar goal. And I think in Aquarius, that goal is, is moving from the past to the future and creating some kind of new arrangement for uh, a society that, that is more functional over time. Okay, uh, the only thing that we have that isn't really in Aquarius right now that is of note and making a whole sign aspect is Mars. Uh, and Mars is, again, Mars is co-present with Uranus, so I guess we can say both of those planets are making a whole sign square. So we may be seeing some, uh, some anger, some separation uh, coming up due to our uh, being shaken out of our normal physical routines, uh, the way that we've always done something the way that we've always created material prosperity, uh, the way that we dis are desiring to distribute resources. So this is one interesting, um, you know, synchronicity between these two planets right now is Venus is the host of Mars. So Venus is informing what is going to be, um, Mars is going to be taking action on. And in the second decade of Aquarius, Venus is offering up uh, intellectual exchanges. So there, there may be some argument about how we are using resources, how we are uh, idealizing um, the, that distribution. Remember, the, the second decade of Taurus was associated with the Six of Pentacles. So that, that card is, is you know, basically a card of charity and distribution. Um, both the receiving of charity and the and the distribution of it. So uh, there may be a lot of uh, exchange, verbal, intellectual exchange associated with that with that action that wants to take place. And it's an uncomfortable place for for Mars because Mars generally is a more uh, I don't know aggressive type of energy, but it's in a it's in a temple that requires reception. It requires harmonization. It requires um, I don't know, an inner harmony as well in Taurus with it being a nocturnal, a nocturnal temple of Venus. Okay, so let's talk about Venus conjoining Jupiter. So if we go forward in our journey here to February the 11th, this is a really important day because not only do we have the two benefics coming together, which is generally a very nice uh, uh, commingling of planetary energies, we have a new moon. So this is a, a new moon that will, again, we'll talk about this a little bit on Thursday. I'm hoping to do 
a YouTube live if I can <laughs> if I can figure out the, how to stream the technology between now and then. I hope that I will be able to give you some kind of uh, insight into when that's going to happen beforehand. Um, I'm hoping maybe around lunchtime, Eastern Standard Time, maybe noon. I know that the the uh, the new moon itself happens around 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but I want to leave some space uh, for people who want to do some kind of ritual or people that you know are doing something special around that period of time. Maybe by doing it a few hours before the actual new moon itself, it can prepare us uh, for some of the intentions that we might want to set. So that's what I've got going in my brain right now as far as what I want to do, but we'll see how it works out. Um, again, starting some kind of new technological <laughs> endeavor while Mercury is retrograde might be, might be a fool's errand, but we'll see, how, we'll see how it goes. But anyway, on this day, Venus and Jupiter are going to be coming together. Uh, so this is the planet of good fortune, Venus, coming together with the planet of good spirit or good daimon. So we're talking about the marriage of 2K and daimon in a, in a positive fashion, where it's bringing us something, something good that we may enjoy. Uh, Jupiter is associated with um, positions of status, positions of merit, um, being able to act from our higher self. It is associated with order, with law, um, with people of high social standing. So this is where we may feel an attraction or gain favor from people of high moral character or from high positions of power. And because it's in the sign associated with Saturn, this may be a course correction uh, that's restoring right proportion to people who have um, been traditionally on the fringe of society. So we could see some new laws coming into place. We could see some new uh, distribution of resources to people on the fringes of society where fortune, uh, the body, is meeting with spirit. So I'm, I'm hopeful for this new moon that there will be something where those two things coming together could be a really nice rebalancing and a redistribution of uh, fairness, of, of, of law, of resources to those on the fringes of society. I think we could see a really nice, the beginning of something really hopeful and beneficial at this particular uh, timing with these two planets coming together. So look at the Aquarius area of your chart. Uh, look at those two planets and what they rule in your chart. Look at the Taurus area, the Libra area for Venus. And look at the Sagittarius and the Pisces area for Jupiter. All of those houses are going to be kind of coming together in the Aquarius topic that is, you know, ruling your life here. So like, for example, if, if Aquarius is your 10th house, all of those um, topics are going to be consolidated into something like, like a career or something public. If it's through your 7th house, all of those topics in your chart um, you know, this would be something where you're consolidating 10th house, 3rd house, 5th house, 8th house are all going to be expressed through a 7th house type of experience, through, through partnerships, through relationships to the public, through coming through some kind of completion. 7th house was like the, the 7th, uh, the setting house where the sun would go beneath the surface and we'd come to some kind of celebration of an ending. So 
look in your own chart and try to extrapolate those things out. Again, if you're, you have difficulty with that, uh, I am free to do readings if you want to kind of go through this together. Uh, that's always something I'm, I'm uh, excited to help clients with, uh, to, to be sort of a translator for these things for you. Okay, so again, new moon, 23 degrees of Aquarius. There is a fixed star at 23 degrees of Aquarius, a few fixed stars actually, uh, Sal del Sud uh, and Deneb El Gedi, which were fairly fortunate actually as well. Like we had a, an ancient lawgiver, uh, Deneb El Gedi, in the tail of Capricorn. And Sal del Sud was the shoulder of Aquarius, the water pour that was kind of cleansing. Um, kind of the, the dirty things, like it was associated with Hercules' labor cleansing those, those stalls that hadn't been cleaned in like, you know, 30,000 years or whatever. So this is, that was a very fortunate star. It was called the Mighty Destiny or the Luckiest of the Lucky. So something very good, I think, is happening on this, this new moon and with this Venus-Jupiter uh, conjunction. All right, so let's move forward to the 13th. And on the 13th, we're going to see uh, Venus coming together with Mercury. Okay, so we've got Mercury retrograding and meeting up with Venus. So something from the past coming back and, you know, being able to be rebalanced. Uh, a conversation with somebody that leads to a fruitful exchange. This is associated with charming speech, uh, harmonious exchanges, poetic or musical inclinations, uh, this could be some kind of favorable negotiation or deal that is coming back into your life from the past. Maybe there was an opportunity that you passed up in the previous cycle of Mercury, but it comes back around and you can see the advantages to participating this time around. Um, there's some kind of eloquence or, or gracefulness to the exchange that you are having. And this may lead to fruit. Uh, we just had a Mercury-Solar uh, conjunction, a, a Kazemi moment where we were burning off the dross of the old Mercury cycle and maybe coming to some kind of new awareness of what, how we want to use our energy moving forward, maybe new business opportunities, maybe new ways of uh, thinking about how we're going to move within the world like, like Mercury likes to do or between worlds, um, how we're going to offer our knowledge or our services to people. That could be one of the significations here. Um, but look for some kind of... Um, bringing together of mercurial significations. So this could be where you're, where you're having some kind of uh, questions. You're asking good questions. I think that could be something. You're asking questions about how do we unify the disparate parts of the whole, okay? Because Mercury is always a questioner, and Venus is something that is harmonizing and unifying. So if you are, let's say where Mercury is bringing somebody to the stand, this may be questioning somebody who is uh, giving testimony in your favor, okay? So this may be you're, you're bringing up a, a witness from the past that had already given testimony, but now they're giving another testimony that maybe it was some good fortune that you uh, didn't recognize, okay? So again, this is another fairly positive thing. Although I wouldn't think about this aspect or this, I guess it's not... Uh, an aspect in the traditional sense, this commingling of energies, this is one that may not be as uh, long-term as that Venus-Jupiter conjunction or Venus-Saturn conjunction. This, Both of these planets are fairly quickly moving, 
So this may be a more temporary type of experience that comes out of this meeting of the minds. All right. Uh, on the 15th of February, this is where we're starting to get into some challenging territory. Now, we do have a fixed star conjunction at 17 degrees of Aquarius. Suolosin is a fixed star in the, in the constellation Delphinius. One little side note that I mentioned when the sun was going through this decade was that this is Nicholas spelled backwards. There, there's a little uh, star lore in, in William Olcott's book about uh, a particular um, astronomer who had an assistant named Nicholas and he uh, put him, he immortalized him in the stars by spelling his name backwards and then assigning it to this area of the Zodiac. I believe his last name was spelled backwards with another fixed star in this area as well. Um, and who knows, <laughs> who knows if that's like, you know, fact or fiction, but it, it seems uh, pretty, pretty interesting how that all played out. Now, Delphinius is the dolphin, which uh, is, is, has had associations with humor, playfulness, um, you know, assisting sailors on their journey. So there may come another uh, assistance that comes potentially through uh, good humor, through, through parody. Uh, this could be something where we're attracted to things like satire, parody, um, where we have to lighten up a little bit. Sometimes when we're trying to create um, consensus with people, especially with difficult issues, having a little bit of a lighter touch with it can really um, lead to benefit. I know that when we're talking about a lot of serious topics over and over again, we can get exhausted, we can lose our hope. Um, but if we are able to see things through the lens of good humor and through maybe uh, having a joyful exchange with somebody, I think that can sometimes tip the scales in our favor. So try to be lighthearted uh, if you can. Now, there is a warning I have with this. Um, if you, as you can see in our chart here, around the 15th, we're going to start an application of Venus to Mars. Uh, a square from Venus to Mars. So when you are making light of something or using your humor, uh, I guess just be careful that it doesn't extend into becoming offensive or like, uh, you know, creating enmity between you and somebody else. So you could think of something like you're trying to just play a joke on somebody, but it could lead to an argument. Um, so I guess just be careful with that. Like, uh, keep that in mind that Venus is going to be within a three-degree application of Mars throughout the end of its journey through Aquarius too. It's not going to perfect the aspect until um, the beginning of Aquarius 3, but we will be feeling this tension um, between the actions that we want to take uh, out in the world and through our creation of material security and our more idealized visions of how we want to arrange the big picture of our life. So that's something to think about as these two planets come together. We are really trying to unify all the different pieces of our life and, and hover over our life and see how they all fit together. Um, and we're wanting to do that to create material stability. Um, but that those two things often are in conflict with one another. Sometimes uh, our idealism can make it difficult for us to take action on things. I know for me personally, 
I experienced this with a Venus Mars square uh, with Venus and Gemini and Mars and Virgo. So uh, it's a similar air earth type of energy where my attraction to um, multiplicity and like, you know, uh, intellectual exchanges can sometimes run into my need to pare things down and to eliminate options. So I have a, a dual um, desire to expand options and keep my options open and to then conversely to pare them down to create some kind of, uh, I don't know, wisdom. And here we see a similar energy. It's based on idealism versus practicality. Okay. So here it's about organizing the overview of our life, the systems of our life, and how we're creating uh, internal harmony through that and material security. All right. So those are the aspects that we have going on for this, this decanic journey. Now what we will do is we will talk about our I Ching reading for the week. So I will draw this for you here. Every week I like to do an I Ching reading now for every planetary decanic transit. This is part of what I call integrative divination or interdisciplinary divination. And I'll tell you what, one of the things that I've been kicking around in my brain lately is, uh, oops, that's a solid line, is doing a some kind of class like this. Um, there's so many things that I'm interested in, hence the Venus and Gemini but I want to be able to, to teach them and to bring them to the masses. But I really, uh, I see value in not just committing to one particular system. Um, I see how they interact and I want to be able to bring them all together in a, a, a more unified type of experience. And I'm trying to figure out how that would look as a class, but that thing just keeps repeating my brain over and over again. Integrative divination, learning multiple systems at the same time, and the philosophical foundations behind them so we can uh, communicate with the divine and be translators through multiple systems, through looking at fixed stars, astrology, the tarot, uh, through um, things like the I Ching, through animal symbolism and numbers. I think they all can, can be something that can uh, create a cohesive whole. Because it's the divine, right? It, it, how are we going to limit the way that the divine is going to speak to us? It, it's, it's, uh, if it's omnipotent or omnipresent, it should be able to, to communicate with us through multiple uh, systems. And I just happen to have an interest in a lot of those things. So keep your eyes peeled for that. We'll see how that comes to fruition. Okay, so the hexagram for this week is 35, which is called progress or advancing. And it is moving to a hexagram called contemplating or viewing. So what we are looking at here with Venus, we may want to advance. We may, may want to take advantage of opportunities. We may be presented with opportunities during this period of time, especially with the conjunction with Jupiter. Um, so this is uh, some questions that came up in the uh, translation that I like, Hillary Barrett's translation. It says, what gifts and opportunities have been given? How can you make the most of them? It says, a gift of horses used to multiply and magnify the gift. 
So this is not just about being a gift. This is about how do you uh, use opportunities to create more opportunities. I th and that really seems to be a Venus-Jupiter type of thing where we may receive some good fortune and we may want to have a desire to multiply it through, through that Jupiterian type of expansion, through that Jupiterian uh, good spirit, through the goodwill, through making things bigger. You know, we say, oh, we've got this one opportunity. How can we continue to, to, to send it off into the stratosphere? Um, but I would be careful with that, okay? Uh, so you may want to seize this opportunity and use it to create more. Now, the challenge is that we are in a Saturnian sign. And I know uh, in my personal experience, I've had some opportunities come up that I just haven't been in the position to take full advantage of. Um, and just through circumstance, through uh, maybe it just not being the right time for me to do it, uh, maybe through, I don't know, through other, through other reasons. Uh, uh, I don't know. Could be through just my own, like, hesitation to expand my, my world and maybe feeling overwhelmed with what the opportunity might bring. Uh, not every opportunity uh, is always what it seems. Um, I've experienced that in the past where I thought I was getting involved in something really good and it ended up being something that just completely overwhelmed me. So in my own personal experience, I've been kind of uh, taking, a, taking stock of whether uh, what is coming to me fits in with the greater vision of what I want to achieve. And that's having me ask all these questions of what do I really want to achieve? And I don't know if I'm completely clear on that yet. And I think that when you're not clear on what you want to achieve, um, it's very difficult to know what type of opportunity is going to move you forward if you don't know where you're going. And this brings me to the changing line number four. Uh, I, this this uh, I Ching reading really resonated with me. It said, advancing like a long-tailed rodent or a squirrel, it says danger. It says, we may be advancing in an opportunistic way with myopic vision, without purpose, uh, without seeing the bigger picture. Um, we might be motivated by fear of loss. So when we are presented with opportunities, uh, this this a lot of the interpretations talked about a rodent that was um, working around the periphery of like a grain silo, just gathering little pieces here and there. Like like maybe there was a you know when people are filling the grain cycle or silo, little little spills of uh, you know I don't know corn or wheat or something are are you know going off into the periphery of the silo. And like a rodent, you may be gathering these little tiny things. Um, and you may not be aware that there's this huge grain silo that you're, you're right next to. Um, so it's like we're not seeing the forest for the trees type of thing. Um, when we are constantly obsessed with just the tiny little things that are right in front of our face, we may not know where those little opportunities could lead us if we're able to pull back and see things from a a kind of a helicopter view, kind of like from the view of standing on top of the mountain and seeing off into the distance. Okay, so this is one thing to think about. And, and we move to, to line number five, where it says, regrets vanish, do not worry. Let go of measuring gains and losses. Perhaps you are regretting a missed opportunity, and detachment can bring benefit. There may be hidden reasons to trust in a divine plan. So this may be where we're looking back and saying, oh, man, I missed out on this thing, and it looked like this great thing. But there, uh, it could be 
maybe periphery green, and there may be something that you're really trying to move towards, and maybe it fit into that big picture, and maybe it didn't. Okay, and that, so that's something I want you to ask yourself. Uh, you know, a lot of times we get off track because we're measuring our progress against that of other people. This is something that I've, I am so guilty of this. And I'll admit some vulnerability here. Uh, and this is, you know, I don't think this is uncommon in the age of social media. It is so easy to measure our progress against uh, the illusion that is created by other people's um, uh, expression. Uh, and I say illusion, and I'm, I'm guilty of this too. As people on social media, we present a certain part of ourselves, a certain face. We, we are very carefully curating what we are putting out into the world. And it is not the entire picture of our life. And it's very dangerous sometimes to measure ourselves against the very carefully curated visions that people put out there. We don't see all of the successes and failures that they've gone through to get to that point. We don't see all the hard work, all the grit, all the self-doubt, all the uh, challenges and conflicts that they've gone through, all the, all the things that they may have had to give up to create success. Um, you know, as a, as a person who is very committed to having a functional family life, a lot of the decisions I make are, is this professional opportunity going to take time away from uh, my family? And as a cancer son, that's, you know, I think that's really what drives me is, you know, security for my family and having a good family life. And I've, as a musician and as an astrologer, there have been a lot of times where I've just said, you know what, this feels like I would be overwhelmed and I wouldn't have time for uh, my daughter, my partner, um, my family. And I've just said, you know what, that's just, that's not for me right now. And um, that, that, those are the types of things that you have to see when you're balancing things out. Another balancing factor to think about is, are the opportunities that are coming to you, will they take away from, will a material opportunity take away from your pursuit of knowledge or pursuit of wisdom? Another thing that I've had to, to weigh uh, when I've had professional opportunities is, um, will my involvement in this endeavor take away from my studies and my desire to find truth? Some were yes and some were no. And you don't always know either. This is something that you have to kind of work through too is I tend to be very overly cautious with an opportunity. Other people tend to be maybe overly rash. And there is a spectrum as far as how risk averse we are. And, you know, sometimes taking a risk is important. You, you, that, may, that opportunity actually may open up a new vista for you. And you can only know this through trusting your own gut, through trusting your own intuition um, one of the things I've really been practicing lately is if it's not 100% yes, it's a no. And that's really, really hard. Um, and it's, it's especially hard when we try to measure ourselves against um, the social face that other people present through things like social media. Um, I think this is a good period of time to go within. In this, in this winter of hibernation, 
I think it's okay to take some time out from that. And uh, I know that there are people in my social circle that I feel that that sometimes I feel inadequate uh, against, you know, when I compare myself to their output and their wisdom. And I'm sure I'm sure that there are people that I create that feeling in too. There's always going to be someone that we feel inferior to uh, in our knowledge base, and there's always going to be someone that is, you know, maybe feeling like we have more than them. That's just the nature of of being uh, at different parts of the road in the journey. And I really think the key though is um, just recognizing we're at different parts of the journey. It's not better or uh, worse than, it's not that we possess more or less, it's just that we're at a different part of the road. And yes, we may have different specialties, we may have different uh, things that we have uh, cultivated in our life, and I think that's where the meaningful exchanges can come in. This is something I'm really trying to learn really, really hard uh, with, you know, my Leo nature is how can I uh, cultivate um, an appreciation for everyone's gifts and not necessarily have to carry the, the mantle of responsibility for every part of a situation. And again, it's it's hard because you feel responsible, right? This is I think this is important in, in Aquarius season is recognizing where there may be an opportunity to delegate to someone who has cultivated that particular area, um, you know, with more with more skill. And um, yeah, it's 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 constant thing that I'm looking at in my own life. Um, so we're looking at by, by detaching by separating from looking over our shoulder. And, and this can happen in many different ways. Maybe you take a technology fast or social media fast. Maybe, you know, if there's somebody that makes you feel insecure on social media, you know, just put them on mute for a little while so you can cultivate your own inner knowing. I think that's, that's actually kind of healthy too. You don't always have to be looking over your shoulder. If there's somebody in your life that uh, even through their, their skill makes you feel less than, uh, it's okay to just say, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bring that into my experience today, uh, so that I can get in touch with my own inner knowing, um, and this can lead to being able to have vision in your life. This is what 20 is talking about: contemplating, viewing. So some of the questions that come up with this: when you stop searching, what comes into view? If you had no preconceptions, what might you see? Okay, so. Seeing how it all fits together. This is something I was talking about earlier. Taking the long view, reviewing the past with Mercury retrograde to see how you are going to move into the future. Um, looking at the overview of your life. How does your family relationships uh, inform what you're doing out in the world? How does your domestic sphere support your career? How does your career support your domestic sphere? How do the relationships that you have with your friends on a personal level, how can they be uh, relationships that can uh, be something where you can exchange um, wisdom with one another? How do your physical resources support your idealistic vision? How does the vision create physical security? Um, how does the area that you live in inform your worldview. 
Uh, how are you going to, how are the actions that you're taking, the small everyday actions, going to support the long-term goal that you're trying to achieve? And I think that the key with, with contemplation is that you don't necessarily have to have it all figured out. Part of what Aquarius season is all about is taking time to reflect so that when we are moving towards spring again, we will be able to take action from a place of wisdom, from a place of wholeness, from a place of a new understanding of how our worlds are affecting not only ourselves, but our communities, our countries, our, our earth, okay? Like seeing the overview, the big picture. So I would encourage you this week, okay? You may be presented with opportunities. You may be regretting an opportunity past, okay? Just let that go. There, there's probably a reason why if something didn't work out, you don't have to regret. You don't have to look over your shoulder you don't have to feel envy uh, or discontent because somebody may be on a different uh, point in the road of you as you. Um, trust in the divine plan. Hover over your own life. You know, see how it fits into your different communities, your different areas of life. And then by taking that time, by taking that reflection and listening to the inner voice. Try to get to the 100% yes. Again, let me repeat. If it's not 100% yes, it's a no. And I'm not talking about doing your laundry or like your taxes or stuff like that. <laughs> like there's stuff in life that we have to do that, that we don't want to do that we just have to suck it up and do. But if it's something mean, really meaningful for you and how you are trying to move through and find purpose, find dharma, that's when you really tap into that 100% yes or try to. And that doesn't mean that you don't have to make some compromises with people in your life, but it should be much more a like, yeah, I feel excited about this rather than, yeah, I guess so. Because when you do, yeah, I guess so, that's when you get yourself into trouble. That's when you're just gathering the little pieces of grain from the, the periphery, okay? The 100% yes is like seeing that big silo and be like, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna sustain sustain myself with that, you know. All right. So I think that's what I've got for you today. Uh, I hope that you're all doing well out there. Um, yeah, this is a, a in, interesting time period, especially with all this stuff. It's gr it's a great time to take stock and to hover above our lives and see where we're going. You know, where we're, where are we gonna go? What are we gonna create moving forward? So thank you so much for being here with me today. If you like the work that I do, please hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Turn on the notifications. Leave me a comment. I always love hearing from all of you. Tell me what, how you're moving to your 100% yes. Has there been any opportunities in your life that you've been having an existential crisis over that you can maybe let go of? Uh, how are you going to get in touch with that inner spark and that inner flame? I want to hear your story. Um, yeah, and let me know if uh, you're, you're interested in the, U the Instagram or uh, Instagram, the YouTube live. Uh, that's something I'm going to try to put together. Again, I'm thinking about lunchtime on Thursday, the 11th. So keep your eyes out for that. And uh, yeah, uh, if you want to make a material donation to the work that I'm doing, I have a Venmo at Spencer Michaud or a PayPal me, paypal.me backsplash, backsplash, backslash Spencer Michaud. 
And uh, I always appreciate that. Thank you for helping me to do the work that I'm doing. Thank you for buying me time to do this re research and to do this work to bring you um, these videos. So that's what I've got for you today. Uh, be kind to one another. Uh, most importantly, be kind to yourself. And uh, I will see you the next time. Peace.